Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man We love it Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Thursday, May 5th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 summer in the world Hell, it's got to be Cinco de Mayo everywhere in the world. That's right. It's Cinco de Mayo today, and I am in South Florida, where Cinco de Mayo is in full swing. I've been walking down the boardwalk here in Hollywood Beach, Florida. They've got the Cinco de Mayo signs out, all sorts of specials on Coronas and Margaritas. But I've been a good boy. I've been staying completely alcohol-free for the day so we can get our show in because we've got a jam-packed show for today. My apologies for missing yesterday's show. No, it wasn't because I was out celebrating Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. No, it was because we had a torrential monsoon-like rain all day here in South Florida, and the Internet was spotty as hell. I don't know what they're using here at this uh, historic Hollywood Beach Resort, but it was not reliable, and rather than put you through all that, and put myself through the headache. I just took the day off and camped out in the room. But a lot of news going down over these past couple of days that we've got to get to. So uh, coming up, we've got all sorts of great segments for you. We're going to take a look in our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment at the latest news that the California Adult Use of Marijuana Act is going to make the ballot. They've got well over the number of signatures that they need, and uh, there's something like 300,000 that they need. They've got 600,000 signatures at this point, so it looks uh, pretty reliable here that we are going to have legalization on the ballot in California. So, yes, it's great news. Great news out of the state of California. So joining us in our Cops Say Legalized Drug segment, we're going to be speaking with California cop Kyle Kazan, who's going to tell you why law enforcement officers like himself are getting behind this Adult Use of Marijuana Act and why they think we need to legalize marijuana. Also coming up on the show today, we'll have time for a radical rant where I'll give you my opinion on the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which can be summed up as the following. If you're opposing the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, you're helping Kevin Sabet. You know what I think about that. So we'll get to that in time for the Radical Rant. Also, we'll take a look behind the headlines today where in the state of Michigan, they're once again another one of these states that is trying to set up a per se DUID stoned driving limit. Uh, which we will explain why that's impossible when we get to behind the headlines. But first, we've got the Cannabis Radio News. And like I said, lots of stories going down over the past couple of days. We'll break down that Adult Use of Marijuana Act signature gathering. Also, another uh, drug law change in California you may not have heard about. We'll take you to Dover, New Hampshire, where medical marijuana is expanding. Oklahoma and Alabama both expanding their cannabidiol oil bills. We've got uh, news from the latest changes to the medical marijuana bill winding through the Ohio legislature. In Salem, Oregon, the news coming down on the expansion of our early sales program for marijuana. We've also got news from Denver, Colorado on organic certification 
of marijuana products. A, a very shocking turn in that story. Also, stay tuned for Hour 2. Toker Talk Radio will take your calls at 971-533-7111. We've also got a few other stories to cover, including, considering it is Cinco de Mayo, we'll take a look at a story from Leafly on six cannabis strains with Mexican heritage that you need for Cinco de Mayo. Also, speaking of Latin America, Brazil has approved real scientific hemp oil as a cancer treatment. We'll get into the details of that when we return. But first, the Cannabis Radio News right after this two-minute break. I'm Radical Russ, live from Hollywood, Florida. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show. Or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. The Russ Belleville Show. Chat is for friends 18 and older. We expect our chat to be civil, mature, and free from excessive profanity. If you don't like these rules, there are approximately 6 billion other chat rooms with lower standards that you can visit. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, May 5th, 2016. 
San Francisco, California. Backers of a 2016 California marijuana legalization initiative say they have collected enough signatures for the measure to qualify for the California ballot this November. A coalition that includes former Facebook President Sean Parker and backed by Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom and the nation's leading marijuana advocacy groups says it has collected 600,000 signatures, much more than the 365,000 needed, well ahead of the July 5th deadline. Newsom, a Democratic candidate for governor in 2018, and other supporters of the ballot measure known as the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, plan to launch the official campaign Wednesday in San Francisco. The measure would allow possession of one ounce of marijuana and cultivation of six marijuana plants for adults 21 and older. The initiative would also place a 15% tax on retail sales of the drug. Sacramento, California. California Governor Jerry Brown has signed a bill raising the tobacco smoking age from 18 to 21. Anti-smoking advocates point to data showing a great reduction in teen smoking following the strict enforcement of the age 18 limit nationwide. Now advocates are calling for a nationwide raise in the tobacco age to 21. California becomes the second state to do so following Hawaii's example a few months ago. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. The Sooner State is set to expand its 2014 program, allowing for the limited use of cannabidiol oil for medical purposes. The House has approved and sent to Governor Mary Fallon a bill that removes the age limit on what had been strictly pediatric uses of the cannabis oil low in THC. In addition to allowing adult use, the bill expands the program to include spasticity due to multiple sclerosis, paraplegia, and symptoms of chronic wasting disease. Montgomery, Alabama. Alabama Governor Robert Bentley has signed a bill expanding the Yellowhammer State's cannabidiol oil study law from 2014. The law will allow for medical treatment of cachexia or wasting syndrome, severe or chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, severe and persistent muscle spasms, and any other condition that is severe and resistant to conventional medicine. The cannabidiol oil can be no more than 3% THC, and it must be acquired from out of state. Denver, Colorado. A Colorado proposal to certify organic marijuana has been rejected amid concerns the labels would imply pot is healthy. The bill rejected in a legislative committee Tuesday would have created a first-of-its-kind label for marijuana that had been produced without pesticides. The proposal failed 4-3 to in a Senate committee. Some lawmakers said the labels could wrongly imply that marijuana is harmless. Salem, Oregon. Oregon is expanding its early sales program that allows adult marijuana consumers to shop at existing medical marijuana dispensaries until recreational shops are licensed and open. Since October of last year, adults have been allowed to purchase up to 7 grams of cannabis flower and 4 cannabis seedlings or seeds. Starting June 2nd, adults will now be able to purchase one edible with no more than 15 milligrams of THC, topical products of no more than 6% THC, and one pre-filled extract cartridge of no more than 1 gram of THC. Oregon also removed its two-year residency requirement for commercial licensing. That licensing also begins on June 2nd. Columbus, Ohio. The Ohio House has revamped its proposed medical marijuana law to remove access to whole plant cannabis medicine. House Bill 523 has specified that marijuana would not be available to patients in a smokable form. Patients would also be forbidden from growing their own cannabis plants at home. Allowing doctors' discretion to determine medical cannabis use has been replaced by a strict list of about 20 qualifying conditions. Extracts would be limited to 70% THC content. Positive benefits of the bill include protections for parental rights, reciprocity for other states with conditions as strict as Ohio's, 
a program to help needy patients get marijuana, and a requirement that 15% of all licenses are issued to people of color. Dover, New Hampshire. New Hampshire's second medical marijuana dispensary is opening in Dover. Tomescal Wellness is scheduled to open Thursday. The first one, run by Sanctuary ATC, opens Saturday in Plymouth. Tomescal Wellness is expected to receive certification for a second dispensary in Lebanon in a few weeks. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Thursday, May 5th, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on cannabisradio.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the state of Michigan, where Michigan Live reports, Marijuana debate goes mobile as magic number for driving while stoned is sought. This is uh, something that uh, legislatures all across the country are trying to tackle here. It's because they recognize that marijuana legalization is happening. It's going to happen in the next few years, no matter where you live. And so now they're panicked. Now they're freaking out with the idea of, oh my God, once we legalize, there'll be people smoking pot and driving. As if legalization invents cars and marijuana. Folks, it does not. People out there have been smoking marijuana for decades. They've been driving for decades. We have yet to see the carnage. This stoned mayhem on the freeways that they keep trying to defend us from 
is a shibboleth. It does not exist. It's a fantasy from their fevered imaginations of the worst case scenario that can happen for marijuana legalization. Now, the people pushing this will point to Washington State, which has established a five nanogram per se DUID limit. And that means if there's five nanograms of active THC in your system, we're not talking about the metabolites that you get caught on on a piss test for weeks and weeks. We are talking about active THC in your system. Five nanograms per milliliter of blood means you're automatically guilty of being too stoned to drive. Now, scientifically, this is complete bunk. And in fact, the uh, representative, state representative Peter Lucido, a Republican from Shelby Township, has put together this bill to sponsor a study commission. He notes that the five nanogram number in Colorado and Washington were numbers that they, quote, pulled out of their derrieres, end quote. And he's absolutely right. See, the number of five nanograms got set when uh, Washington's I-502 was looking to kind of soothe the nervous soccer mom and eastern Washington types that were worried about the stone mayhem on the freeways by trying to portray that they were going to be strict and tough about stone driving. And where they got the number five nanograms is from certain studies that show over the vast population of cannabis consumers over that population which gets, which gets into wrecks and of that subset of population for which we know their blood uh, THC levels, there is an indication that at five nanograms, statistically speaking, you start to see more problems, impairment, wrecks and such. The only problem with that is you're taking the entire group of cannabis consumers. And as we know, cannabis is metabolize so differently by different people and that the amount of five nanograms that a newbie might be at after smoking his first joint would make him far too impaired to drive a car. But someone like me, a 250 pound man who smokes marijuana every day throughout the day, I probably wake up at about 15 and I'm nowhere near being too impaired. So the spoiler alert for the Michigan legislature is you can go ahead and set up this study commission, and what you're going to find is there is no magic number. There is no number you can guarantee that 95% confidence interval, the people at that level, are too impaired to drive. It's not like alcohol. And this is partially our fault because we've been saying, treat it like alcohol. So now they're saying, okay, well, where's the breathalyzer? But the problem is marijuana ain't alcohol. With alcohol, people that are at 0.08 or above, about 95% of them are too drunk to drive. It's very reliable in that respect. Cannabis just doesn't work that way. This is why when Oregon came out with its uh, Measure 91, we resisted every entreaty to us to put a 5 nanogram limit in it. And there were a lot of people calling for it. And we resisted that. That was a deal breaker. But instead, we offered up that money from the pot tax sales would go to a study commission to try to determine what the magic number is because we know there is no magic number made them feel better, made the voters feel better, but we know already know what the answer to that science is. There is no magic number. In fact, the national highway traffic safety administration in its cannabis safety data sheets even says, quote, it is inadvisable to try to determine impairment based on body fluid concentrations alone. THC in the bloodstream is not a reliable indicator as to whether or not someone is impaired. 
And again, this is a solution in search of a problem because nobody has ever worried about a rash of stone drivers creating mayhem on the freeways. The joke is always that we're sitting at the stop sign waiting for it to turn green, isn't it? That we're driving 40 miles an hour on the freeway, right? We're not the dangerous drivers out there. One wife, one God that I can understand, but one wife that is not civilized. Well, happy 420 to our friends out there in Denver, Colorado. And yeah, there's just no way to come up with this stone driving limit. And you know what, folks? We don't need it. Stone driving has always been illegal. And believe it or not, people have been busted for it and convicted of it. There's a 90% conviction rate in such cases. So what else do they need? From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Tennessee's Congressman Steve Cohen. Well, you know, marijuana is a gateway drug, and kissing is a fake gateway activity to sexual addiction. U.S. Representative Jared Polis. Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I said, on this program, what do they want? My grandchildren and the monster. Did I scare you? Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy, because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at the latest on the Washington Post's Wonk blog entitled, So, Something Interesting Happens to Weed After It's Legal. It's written by Keith Humphreys, who's been studying uh, marijuana and marijuana economics for years. He's a professor of psychiatry and mental health policy at Stanford University. And he takes a look at the data coming from Washington State, which legalized recreational cannabis in 2012. 
and two years ago began the recreational cannabis sales. And they have now found one very compelling piece of data from legalization. Legalized marijuana is getting very cheap very quickly. The data comes from Washington State's Liquor and Cannabis Board, aggregated by Steve Davenport of the Pardee Rand Graduate School and Jonathan Calkins, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University. Uh, we saw Jonathan Calkins at the uh, New York Cannabis Science and Policy Summit just a couple of weeks ago. And they point out that when Washington State first legalized, there were some supply shortages. There wasn't enough growers. There wasn't enough retail outlets. And the price of marijuana actually went up. So in July 2014, when marijuana was first uh, made legal, legally available for sale, uh, the retail prices were about 22 and a half bucks a gram. It was pretty expensive weed, 22 and a half. And they spiked as high as $25 a gram. Now what the uh, researchers are finding is that prices are steadily falling at about 2% per month. And Davenport says, if that trend holds, prices may fall 25% each year going forward. And the chart they provide here on WonkBlog tells us that the price per gram retail now in Washington State, as of the most recent data, March of 2016, is averaging $9.32 a gram. We are down below $10 a gram in Washington state. And that's, that's your averages, right? So you can find prices lower than that for sure. But $9 and 32 cents. So $10 a gram, you're talking about a $280 ounce. If you bought it a gram at a time, but if you're buying in bulk, you're finding prices lower than $9 and 32 uh, cents a gram. I've often pointed out the prices that I can find at Vancouver, Washington's main street, marijuana, where I can actually find half ounces of sun grown marijuana at, prices between $45 and $75 per half ounce. And keep in mind, when we're talking about Washington State, this is including 37% excise tax, the highest tax on marijuana in the nation, 37%, plus the state and local taxes, which can range from 7 to 9%, depending on where you're at. So even with all those taxes added in, I'm able to find half ounces for $45 to $75 of quality cannabis that is, you know, above 20% THC. The wholesale prices have likewise plummeted. The wholesale prices hovered around $9 a gram. This is the price that the retail stores pay the growers. They're paying the growers at about $9 a gram. Now they're down to $2.99 a gram wholesale. Three bucks a gram, folks, wholesale. So at three bucks a gram wholesale, uh, you're talking about uh, 60 and 24 is uh, $84 an ounce wholesale prices in Washington state. So if you're curious as to why some people seem to be so vehemently against the legalization of marijuana and, and they're people that you know like marijuana, you have to question how much of that is their own enlightened self-interest is realizing that under legalization with competition in the market and economy of scale and not having to hide your grow operations that these growers now can produce massive amounts of cannabis and even at $3 a gram wholesale still make really good money. The legalization of marijuana is 
only doing the customer a huge favor in reducing the prices. And when I say the customer, I mean recreational or medical customer. If you listened to the news earlier and you heard about Ohio paring down its medical marijuana bill to not allow for smokable cannabis, to not allow for home grow, then you have to begin to realize that after Ohio, following Pennsylvania being similar, no home grow, no plant access, following Minnesota with the same situation, following New York with the same situation, it seems to me that the direction of medical marijuana is going to continue to go to this more restrictive, non-smoked, no-plant-access medical marijuana. So if patients want access to whole plant, and they want that access at the lowest prices, it seems paramount and obvious that they now need to get into the game. Now they need to get fully behind recreational legalization. Medical marijuana from this point forward leads to highly restrictive programs, no home grow, no plant access, no smokable cannabis, and eventually GW Pharmaceuticals' bottom line. You want access to whole plant cannabis as a medical patient? You want to be able to grow your own as a medical patient? It's time for you to get behind marijuana legalization because that's the only route that's going to give people access to the whole plant, only route that's going to give people access to being able to cultivate their own. Continuing to try to separate cannabis consumers into arbitrary piles of who's healthy enough to leave alone and who's sick enough to put in a cage isn't going to work anymore. Now they've developed the ways of getting what they consider to be medical marijuana to people that eliminates all the yucky things they don't like about pot smokers. So now you want whole plant smokable marijuana. You're just a pot smoker like the rest of us time to get behind legalization when we come back cops say legalized drugs we got kyle kazan from california we're going to talk about the adult use of marijuana act when we return this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. Cannabisradio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. 
Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the fingerboard extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Disturbing elements of the Prohibition War is how it's made police the enemy of otherwise law-abiding cannabis consumers. Fortunately, one group of police officers knows the futility of Prohibition and reaches out to educate the community and current law enforcement. Today, the Russ Belleville Show visits with another speaker from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition with one clear message. Cops say legalized drugs. Welcome back, everyone. 32 after the hour. Joining us here for our Cops Say Legalized Drugs segment, we've got Kyle Kazan from the great state of California. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Well, I'm fantastic, and I was wondering maybe if you could uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background in law enforcement before we start getting to the uh, subject of legalization. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, I was a uh, police officer for five years in the city of Torrance, California, which is the sixth largest city in Los Angeles County. And uh, I was a drug warrior. I'm a drug recognition evaluator, court certified. I was a, I'm also a gang expert. And uh, two different six-month periods, I led the department in felony and misdemeanor arrests. So I was hooking and booking, and most of what I was doing was fighting the drug war, and that included cannabis. Wow. So it sounds like uh, you were good at what you did. Uh, at what point in this uh, odyssey of yours did you recognize the futility of what's happening in the drug war? You know, one of the things when you're a that's a great question. When you're a police officer, uh, it's, it's they call it making your bones and which means getting a reputation as a good cop. And Torrance is, is, has a reputation of being an aggressive department where they're out there patrolling and looking to find, you know, people before they, you know, before they steal a car and you're chasing it. You know, hopefully you can catch them a, l- a little early. And so um, I was head down focused on being the best police officer I could, which means getting statistics. But towards the end of my, you know, three, four years, I had informants. I got to know them. They became friends. They would ask me, hey, Kyle. It's, you know, can you take me to drug treatment? I'm like, eh, I got jail. You know, we don't, we, we have a pretty draconian way of dealing with, with, the, with the drug war. And, um, and so towards the end, it was just, I slowed down my arrests and I just felt like, you know, we're just processing people through courts. We're just, it's just a game that we're not winning and it's, and it's an unwinnable war. And then after I left uh, police work and, and had my own company, took a business approach. I was introduced to law enforcement against prohibition. And, you know, I'm, I'm a libertarian, registered libertarian, so I, I, I take a little bit outside the box already. And, and when I heard what they had to say, I said, that's exactly right. And when I saw the, the statistics that, that uh, backed it up, I'm like, you know what, we, we really must go a different direction. So did you find then in, in policing, in the police force, that there was this kind of 
I don't know if it's a divide, but you'd have, say, some of the officers who are new enough that they're all dedicated and gung-ho for the drug war, and then the older officers with some experience that got to where you were, where they're kind of disenfranchised from it, it doesn't really see it working. And and does that cause a, a, a conflict within the forces between the, the gung-hos and the kind of the jaded? Yeah, another, another good question. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way. What I would say is, you have the young pups that are going to try and prove to the older, the old dogs, that, hey, I am a good police officer. I'm worthy of being out here. I'm worthy of respect. And, you know, I'm not just going to get a cup of coffee and, and kind of just wait for my radio calls. I'm, I'm out here looking to protect my community. They're, gonna, they're going to enforce laws on the books. And so, but I will tell you, old dogs and some young pups, um, came up to me as it became clear several years ago when I was on CNN and Fox News and that, my, you know, publicly that I am opposed to drug war and pro-legalization of all drugs, but right now marijuana is the, the hot button here in California. A lot of people took me aside and, and, you know, thanked me and said they're on board and they hope the laws get changed, just not their job. A few, a few people, old dogs and, and young pups, uh, looked at me as a bit of a heretic. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, we're speaking with Kyle Kazan, a former Torrance uh, police officer in California with Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And a quick reminder, if you're looking for a great speaker in your neck of the woods to talk about this with the authority of a background in law enforcement, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition has a ton of speakers. Just look up leap.cc, L-E-A-P. Dot cc and you can find them uh, so uh kyle i'm also uh, curious you'd mentioned in your background that you were a gang expert you worked on gang task forces and one of the things we hear from the people uh that are resisting marijuana legalization is oh marijuana is not a big part of the gangs anyway and they'll just move on to harder drugs and kidnappings and other sorts of crime do you think that legalizing marijuana is going to have an effect on the gang situation in southern california it already has i mean it's, it's not fully legal, recreational, and, and right now there's a bit of a, of a game that has to be played where you, you, know, you go to a doctor. And so if you want to just recreationally use it, you have to play a game. But the fact that you can go, and you can go to a, a place that's regulated most of the time, you know, most of the, the, the pot shops are regulated and dispensaries, um, it has cut way down on, you know, my, my company manages apartment complexes, and we still have some drug dealing out of it, which... You know, it's never safe for anybody. But pot, that's not really, I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot safer now. It will be a lot safer uh, should, should the ballot initiative pass in, in uh, November. Yeah, and that uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act looks as though it will make the ballot for November. And there are some out there that uh, are complaining about it. They fear it's a, a takeover by billionaires or it's going to wreck medical marijuana. But in your estimation, what, what do you think are the positives of the Adult Use of Marijuana Act? You know, I, I haven't read the bill, but I can tell you almost anything compared to what we have here I mean, I did read, I forgot, it was Indiana's, which I thought was a little bit silly. Um, what I have read of this, and I, again, I haven't read the whole thing, it looks uh, pretty okay, and it is kind of protecting the, the smaller um, the, the smaller grower. But, again, we're still arresting people. We're still using the county crime labs to test the green leafy substance that are being booked in on, on even infractions now. So we're still using uh, incredible resources uh, in 
you know, because cannabis is is not legalized and, and totally regulated. Yeah, that, you make a good point because a lot of people uh, will say, oh, well, you know, California's got medical and California's decrim up to an ounce, so why bother? But you make that point that they still have to test the green leafy substance. Well, let, let me let me be clear. One thing that I say when I go out and I speak, and whether it's, you know, whether your bent is more liberal, whether your bent's more conservative or, or moderate, it's, it's the same thing. You're, you'll be outraged. It, particularly, I found women when I use this uh, analogy, and I say, you know, you go anywhere in the state of California, and, and two officers, an officer goes up and they, and they write a ticket for uh, marijuana. They don't have a card, what, what have you. They book it, and because you have a right to a speedy trial, they've got to get that into a, uh, into the crime lab. And so uh, it goes into, down here be the L.A. County Crime Lab. Two hours later, there's a rape in that same, call it a parking lot. And, uh, you know, the, the good officers take this, the, uh, the person to the hospital. They perform what's known as a rape kit, and they book in the uh, physical sample into the L.A. County Crime Lab looking for a DNA check, right? Right now in California or in, in L.A. County, it's, it's that, that part of the process is averaging two years. Mm. So for two years, you're sitting on something that you could quickly identify potentially and this happens regularly, regularly often, a name, a name suspect to go take off the street and not wait two years where you can continue to victimize people, all because we're tying up our crime lab with cannabis and, and just utter nonsense. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, uh, we're looking, like you said, uh, the hot-button issue right now is legalization of marijuana, but you mentioned your apartment complexes, and there's still drug dealing going on there, and a lot of us are advocating that, look, we need to legalize all drugs so we can take those drug dealers out of the apartment complex. But when you look at the polls, you know, people are about 50 56% for marijuana. They're no higher than 10% for any other drug. What would you say to convince the people that are okay with marijuana legalization that they need to start thinking about other drug legalization? You know, I, I would say um, go to the leap.cc website, look at some of the uh, statistics or look at the statistics, and I don't think you'd find anybody advocating for drugs, like drug use, like, hey, you should go out and try heroin. I think what, what uh, you'll find, and, and my fellow leap speakers and I, are saying there's an inevitability that people are going to get their hands on drugs. And so do we take a pragmatic approach? Do we take a look at what causes the least amount of harm? And can we educate a free populace to make good decisions for them? And, and even if, you're, if you say, well, you know, I, I still don't know, it's like, okay, do you want police officers to put on their badge and their gun and go out each night to try and stop you from harming you? And I'm not talking about driving while under the influence, which I think you should be taken to jail every, every night, every day that you, you know, someone wants to do that. I'm just talking about you're ingesting something that's not good for you. You, you know, do you want the police to, to be arresting you and using up uh, precious resources for that? Very good point. And there's so many, uh, so many other things out there that are bad for us that we ingest. Uh, we don't have cops pulling, pulling us over for Big Macs and Slurpees, you know, <laughs> you, you, you know what? That's the natural slippery slope, right? If you, if you're willing to, to save somebody from themselves, where do you stop? Right, exactly. So, uh, Kyle, uh, before we let you go here, I know you've got to get to a meeting pretty quick. Uh, do you have any, uh, contact information if people would like to get in touch with you or have you speak somewhere there in Southern California? You know, I'm um, always happy to uh, 
to speak. I'm, I'm a pretty busy guy like some of my other fellow leaf speakers, and that's where we kind of work um, in concert with each other. And, and I like to think I'm the best leaf speaker, but, you know, I've heard these other people speak, like, and I'm sure you've talked to Jim Gray, Steve Downing, Diane Goldstein. Uh, they're fantastic. So if you just go to the leaf.cc uh, website um, and just make a request, they get it right to us, just like, you know, today – uh, I was booked earlier this morning, it's, and so if we can respond quickly, and, and you know, I certainly will, and would love to meet and discuss this, particularly with people that are either on the fence or against legalization of drugs, be happy to have a have a nice debate about it. All right, Kyle Kazan from Torrance, California. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Russ Belleville Show. We appreciate your service, and uh, good luck with this Adult Use of Marijuana Act uh, uh, getting on the ballot. Thank you for having me, Russ. Bye. All right, that's our cops say legalized drugs segment. We feature former law enforcement every other Thursday here on the Russ Belleville show. And we've got a large archive of leap speaker interviews as well that we'll be putting forth in our upcoming radical Russ VIP program. That's right. We're still getting it development, getting it developed, but soon your VIP membership will give you access to over five years worth of prior interviews and segments. Do your cannabis research with the Russ Belleville show. We'll help you every way we can. We're back with a radical rant in two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. We 
must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. Well, the good news coming out of California is that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act has secured more than 600,000 signatures. They needed 365,000. They've gotten 600,000 signatures. It's May 5th. Their deadline was July 5th. Or was it June 5th? I forget what the story said. I think I think it said July 5th. Uh, let me make sure. I don't want to misstate that. Yeah, July 5th. Okay, so, yeah. So, two months early and 600,000 signatures. Isn't it amazing what professional organization, well-polling language, and money can do for your legalization drive? Seems it was rather easy for them to come up with $600,000 when Sean Parker is donating a million dollars and DPA and MPP are poning up a half million each and someone else is poning up quarter million dollars here and there. You can actually get stuff done. Isn't that remarkable? Now, the reason I go off on this a little sarcastically is because since 2010, California has gone out, gone without marijuana legalization and without any credible attempt to pass marijuana legalization. Now, 2010, of course, Prop 19 uh, failed with uh, 46 or 7% of the vote, somewhere in that range. And back then in 2010, we heard all these excuses from who should be natural supporters of marijuana legalization, cannabis consumers and cannabis growers, who opposed Prop 19. Who We had dispensary owners that were putting flyers in every bag of marijuana they sold, telling their patients, telling their customers to oppose Prop 19, weaving tales of how expensive marijuana was going to become after legalization and how there'd be no more medical marijuana and it'd all be monopolized by Richard Lee and the Oaksterdam cartel. We heard so many of these scare stories in 2010, and they worked. They managed to convince most of the people in the Emerald Triangle to vote against it, as well as other natural pot smokers. You fast forward to 2012, and Colorado and Washington and Oregon get marijuana legalization on the ballot, but there was no legalization on the ballot in California, despite the fact that the people who were against Prop 19, the no on Prop 19 people, said over and over and over that we'll do something better in 2012. We don't need to pass Prop 19 in 2010. We'll do something better in 2012. And nothing happened. Because these groups, many of them, all splintered into different factions that had their own version of legalization that was true. The Jack Herrer Initiative, the perennial Jack Herrer Initiative that always has well-meaning people behind it, that actually proposes the legalization I would favor the most. 12 pounds of possession, 99 plants, taxes capped at, what, $10 an ounce, something like that, all the pot prisoners set free. I'm for all those things. But what I'm really for is for the legalization that gets on the ballot and passes. 
I've told people many times the Russ Belville legalization would be age 18, unlimited possession, unlimited cultivation, no limits on purchases, no limits on sales, and Jack Herrer's birthday replaces Columbus Day. But I don't have $20 million to get it on the ballot. And neither did CCHI have the money to get it on the ballot. Neither did MCLR have the money to get it on the ballot. Neither did any number of these groups that kept promising they would get better legalization on the ballot in 2012 and in 2014, and they failed to do it. And over those six years since Prop 19 failed, every single year has meant more tickets for marijuana, more arrests for cannabis cultivation. And as our guest in Cops Say Legalized Drugs told us earlier, every one of those tickets involves taking the involves seizing the marijuana and taking it to a crime lab to make sure that it is marijuana because you have to prove it in court. And that takes a crime lab away from working on a rape kit, which as our guest told us, there is a two year wait. How many rapists have run around free in the past six years since California didn't pass prop 19. And I'm sorry, my patience for the hippy-dippy, sun and light, all grassroots, perfect, true legalization, open source bullshit has come to an end. It was cute in the 1990s. It was cute in the 80s and the 70s. It was even cute in the early 2000s. It was adorable, this idea that with no money, we could come in and change the world. And this is not to say that grassroots movements can't be successful. On the contrary, in Michigan right now, am I legalize, am I like Michigan, am I legalize is working on a legalization initiative. They've collected hundreds of thousands of signatures. They don't have any support from the top uh, drug war groups. They're funding this as a grassroots initiative and they're actually making progress because they've got language that polls well, doesn't overreach and professionals behind it. So I'm not trying to say that the grassroots can't do it. And by God, if Bernie Sanders has shown us anything this campaign season, it's that a well-motivated, well-expanded and networked small-dollar operation can do wonders. But my problem with California is the grassroots never even got that far. The grassroots could never even get their shit together enough to try to mount a serious grassroots campaign. The fact that there were four different groups other than the Adult Use of Marijuana Act group is evidence enough. If all of those groups had banded together to try to focus on one piece of language, maybe they've got a shot. But in a state as big and expensive as California, that's the only way they had a shot. Four separate groups had no chance in hell. So now that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act has its 600,000 signatures, has the backing of the lieutenant governor of the national, uh, the lieutenant governor of California, the president of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the Drug Policy Alliance Marijuana Policy Project, and Normal, it is time to end the fantasies that there's going to be some magic bullet grassroots effort that brings perfect true legalization this year. It's time to stop with the endless Facebook memes and bashing of the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. It's time to put the fantasy 
that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is some sort of billionaire takeover that's going to destroy medical marijuana and make marijuana super expensive. That sort of thinking needs to go into the same bin as the chemtrails and the anti-vaxxers and the climate change deniers. It's fantasy. It's not true. The evidence we've seen from Washington State and and Colorado have shown that the price of cannabis declines precipitously after legalization. With California having the world's largest production market in cannabis, there's no doubt that the price is going to drop substantially after California legalizes. And especially when we have the possibility of looking at an entire West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California, and possibly also the Southwest, Nevada and Arizona, we could have that whole Western block, about 25% of the landmass of this great country, as a legal marijuana production zone. And the competition that you're going to start to see between California and Oregon and Washington and Arizona and Nevada on their tax rates, on the license fees to start a business, as they want to start to attract other entrepreneurs, this competition is going to drive down the cost of entry into the market as well as the prices of marijuana. And for those who are afraid that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act is somehow going to destroy medical marijuana, let's keep in mind that throughout great swaths of the state of California, medical marijuana is severely restricted or banned as it is. Now, some of the critics are saying, well, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act still lets them ban. Okay, so you're telling me it doesn't get any worse than it is right now. But everybody will be able to grow six plants indoors. No city, no county can ban that. So at the bare minimum, the patients in Fresno and other places that have banned all medical cultivation are getting the gift of six plant indoor cultivation. Now they're getting that bonus. Also currently under medical marijuana in the state of California, child protective services can take your kids away. If they think that, you're creating an unsafe hazard for them. If, they, if someone complains about your marijuana use, that can be used against you to take your kids. After the Adult Use of Marijuana Act passes, that is no longer possible. Medical marijuana patients' parental rights are protected by this act. I know that people want true legalization. I know they want it to be as legal or more legal than alcohol. Nobody tells us how much alcohol we can buy at the store. We have a limit of home brewing a hundred or 200 gallons of beer, depending on which state you're in. And that's nowhere near analogous to just six plants. I understand. I understand that feeling of wanting more, but you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good in this situation. You have to recognize that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California, passing legalization in California, ends the drug war. It's more than just California. Passing it in California means we begin to pass it in other states, in the Texases and North Dakotas and Kentuckys and all these other states that can never, ever have a shot at legalizing until California proves that the sky doesn't fall, the world doesn't come to an end, Everything's just fine with legal marijuana. All right, that's all the time we got for hour one. Thanks for joining us here live from Hollywood, Florida. Take a break and 
hit around the top of the hour, we'll go into Toker Talk Radio, taking your calls at 971-533-7111. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can toke. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Roller J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Oh, welcome back, Tokers and Toquettes. Radical Russ here in Hollywood, Florida. Have to excuse me a minute, I'm responding. <laughs> I got a personal message in Twitter from Charlo Green. You know Charlo Green? She's the uh, Alaska news anchor who said, fuck it, I quit on live TV. And is now a cannabis superhero as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so she sent me a message. Uh that she is hosting a cannabis diversity summit and uh it's in denver colorado on may 15th and she uh she uh uh, sent me a note asking if i could be there uh to cover it on may 15th and so i'm having to send her note back that ironically (laughs) i'm in anchorage alaska that day (laughs) so there we go she comes to the mountains and i'm headed to her neck of the woods oh well sorry charlo uh i will promote that for you though i think that's uh so great that uh we're we're getting involved in that uh let me just read to you uh charlo green to host first cannabis diversity summit in denver Charlotte Green, the self-proclaimed cannabis queen of diversity, is holding her first ever cannabis diversity summit in Denver on May 15th. The summit is being held to address the lack of diversity in cannabis industry leadership, according to event information. 
And um, yeah, so we're looking forward to this. There's um, she's founded a organization called Go Green, uh, Go G R E E N E dot org, which is aimed at cultivating diversity, unity, and opportunity in cannabis to help rebuild the communities harmed by prohibition the most. And uh, she'll have all sorts of great panelists there in Denver, including Law Enforcement Against Prohibition Executive Director Neil Franklin, former Oregon Normal Executive Director and my, uh, uh, my mentor, uh, Madeline Martinez, will be there, Judge Shelley Hayes, Dr. Lakeisha Jenkins, Dr. Rachel Knox, and Attorney Brandon Wyatt. To get to the tickets, you can get them for free at gogreen.org and at Cannabis Diversity Summit. Dot com. And this is, a, you know, this is a big issue as we continue the development of the cannabis industry because so many people of color have been uh, decimated, their, their communities decimated by this war on drugs, disproportionately arrested, disproportionately sentenced, disproportionately incarcerated, and for disproportionately long times. So as marijuana becomes legal, there is a lot of concern amongst minority communities that the faces they're seeing running these big cannabis companies are white faces. Now I've always pushed back a little on this because it was the white faces that were doing all the activism for a long time. Right? So there is that aspect to it. And, and there's reasons why that is. And I'm not saying this to blame anybody, right? On the other hand, Back in Dr. King's days, it was fire hoses and billy clubs and attack dogs. So, you know, to me, it just seems like, I mean, do we take this seriously as a civil rights issue or not? Right. Back in the day, back in the 60s, people were willing to risk all sorts of danger to march for civil rights. So why did that same attitude not get put toward legalization of cannabis when we know that now, especially from Ehrlichman and the Harper's Magazine thing, that we know that cannabis prohibition was instituted as a way specifically to infiltrate left-wing movements and minority movements, the American Indian movement, the black power movement, Latino rights movements. To me, it, it seems like it should have been obvious much earlier that this was a civil rights issue. And those people most affected by it should have been out there marching with us. But anyway, that's the past. And as we look to the future, we got to figure out how are we going to have more inclusivity, more diversity in the movement. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. 
We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer, Dr. Dina, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar, ar, ar. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I just forwarded something that I was taking a look at from Klamath County, Oregon. Now, Klamath County, Oregon uh, is in rural southern Oregon, kind of south central Oregon. And it's double. It's got double the unemployment rate of Oregon. Like the whole rest of the state, right? So it's got double the unemployment rate. It's got close to zero growth. And they've got really no sustainable industries in Klamath County. It was for a long time very dependent on the timber industry. That ship has sailed. There's not as much uh, in timber anymore. So Klamath County now could, if it wanted to, allow for the marijuana business to take off. You know, marijuana has been legalized in the state of Oregon. But the eastern counties got this special deal from the legislature that allows them to ban marijuana businesses. And they have. So this comes from the Oregon business, uh, dot com entitled not in my backyard. Klamath County association opposes cannabis measure. And we're talking about the Klamath County economic development association. And they're charged with, you know, trying to revitalize this economy, which I said is at zero growth, double unemployment, no sustainable industries. So they've opposed a ballot measure in Klamath County, ballot measure 18-105. And this is a ballot measure to overturn the commercial licensing ban in Klamath County. And they, of course, are formally opposed. They're formally opposed to ending the ban on cannabis businesses because, by God, they wouldn't want to have business development in Klamath County. Now, according to the person they spoke with, Greg O'Sullivan, he's the executive director of this Economic Development Association, he was asked, why is it more important to Klamath County to maintain the ban on recreational marijuana when the new industry could boost the local economy 
Greg O'Sullivan answered that I wouldn't cede the idea that recreational marijuana will boost the local economy. Oh, oh really, Greg? <laughs> so, like, you're, you're allergic to data, I guess. Because if you take a look at what's going on in Washington State, what's going on in Colorado, unemployment is down. Businesses have been creating. Growth is up. Rents are going up. The property values are going up. Tax revenues to the tune of millions and millions of dollars are coming into these counties and cities. So this idea that it's not going to boost your local economy is just a fantasy you're holding on to. It's not uh, reflected in any of the data or experience that we've seen in the legal states so far. But here's his, here's his catch, right? He's even hedging his bet a bit on whether or not there'd be some economic improvement because he says a few businesses may benefit, but there would be costs imposed on other businesses and the entire community. If public safety or health costs increase, if educational attainment or workforce quality decline, if homelessness and transiency rise or the perceived quality of life in Klamath County falls, then naturally the whole community bears those costs. So this guy thinks, <laughs> first of all, understand that marijuana exists in Klamath County. Okay, Greg, <laughs> there's already people in Klamath County smoking pot. They're already doing it. They're already smoking pot. They're already growing pot. And it's legal for them to do so. Just because your state, your county can ban the commercial growth and commercial sales doesn't mean that growth and sales aren't happening. They're happening. But Klamath County's not getting any money from that. And so this idea that there would be a massive decrease in educational attainment if you allowed marijuana licenses, he's not saying that educational attainment would drop because people are smoking pot. He's saying because there'd be businesses selling pot, somehow everybody who's already smoking pot would do worse in school. Right. I mean, my point is, Greg, that if the marijuana is causing a decrease in educational attainment and workforce quality, then it's happening now. You're already having it because people are already smoking pot. And this idea that homelessness is going to rise or the perceived quality of life will fall. This just gets you into what he's really talking about, which is cannabigotry. He doesn't want to see those kind of people. You know what I mean? doesn't want to see those kind of people. He's often saying, he says, if employers are not confident they can build a drug-free workforce, they are less likely to relocate to or expand within the county. But again, how does having a legal pot shop where the people who are already smoking pot can buy pot, how does that help your drug-free or hurt your drug-free community? The, the people are already smoking pot, Greg. That's, that's the thing. Having a store for them to buy it from does not change the fact that they're still smoking pot. You will have the same drug-free workforce you have now or don't have now because they're already smoking pot. <laughs> he also says, uh, if retail stores spoil the old-time charm of our county's historic downtown areas through increased crime, open use of marijuana in public spaces, or greater homelessness and transiency, it may be viewed as a less attractive place to visit or live. We find that to be the logical conclusion. <laughs> okay. Well, let's take a look at your logic here for a second. 
how would retail marijuana spoil your old time charm through, through increased crime? You say, see, by definition, having a legal place to sell marijuana decreases crime because there will be fewer people selling illegal marijuana. You'll impact the black market for marijuana. You may not know it, Greg, but people in Klamath County right now are parking in Walmart parking lots and meeting each other for sly distributions of marijuana here and there. They're meeting each other in public parks to trade a bag here and there. They're finding some alley somewhere to smoke pot in because there's no place to smoke it. Everything you think is bad about pot as far as seeing people publicly smoking it or it being sold on street corners is solved by passing this ordinance is solved by giving people a place to be legal. I think part of what gets into these people's minds is that they think pot smokers aren't people that they somehow think they're a different species or something like what alcohol drinker out there would want it to be illegal. What alcohol drinker would be comfortable driving to some parking lot somewhere to get a flask of some clear alcoholic liquid made by some dude in his bathtub. Are, would those people be different people if they were forced to exist in a prohibited market? The, the mindset these people have about cannabis consumers, the only analogy I can come up with, and this is an old one, you may not know it unless you're older, but you remember Foster Brooks. Foster Brooks was this uh, comedian, like the Dean Martin era kind of guy, uh, who played a drunk. That was his character, was, was this sloshy, fallen-down drunk. And back in the day, it was hilarious. The, you know, times change, right? Now he'd be seen as a sad alcoholic. But back in the day, that was, that was a comedic character that he played. And the people like this Greg O'Sullivan who think about, oh, my God, there'll be transiency and homelessness, must think that all pot smokers are the worst case stereotype deranged type hippie that he can think of. Just like if you thought every drinker was Foster Brooks and it's just not true. It's not to say that the Foster Brooks aren't out there. There are alcoholics. There are, you know, people with alcohol dependency issues. Sure. Just as are, are, you know, unkempt stinky hippies sometimes that smoke pot, but they're not the vast majority. The vast majority of us are people like me and you, dear listener, who are, you know, able, you know, that are uh, uh, responsible adults who have jobs and families and homes. And all we're asking is that when we're in Klamath County, you don't force us to join a criminal market to get a substance that's legal in that state. It's just, it blows my mind to think that there's people in Oregon, in these eastern counties, that now that there's legal pot, they want to resist pot shops. I kind of could, I could give you a small break before legalization happened as to whether or not you wanted a pot shop because it was still illegal completely, right? But now that it's legal to possess marijuana in Oregon, it's legal to grow marijuana in Oregon, and it's legal to give marijuana to each other in Oregon. Now you have a situation where everything you didn't like about the illegal pot market has just been uh, made more safe. It's been incentivized. 
I'm a whole lot less afraid to go to that Walmart parking lot and wait for the guy delivering a bag because unless the cop can catch me handing him cash for the bag, they will have nothing to bust us for. We got less than an ounce on us. It's an adult giving weed to another adult. You're in a situation now where the black market can thrive in the absence of these stores. And the only way to get rid of them is the stores. You can't use the cops now to get rid of the things you don't like about the black market because it's almost perfectly covered by those parts of measure 91 that made cannabis legal that you can't ban. So now it's even double stupid to be rejecting the legal marijuana markets. It's like you've gone halfway now and, and there's no turning back. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Hey folks, it's 420 back in the Pacific time zone now, all the way across the continent. I'm here in Hollywood, Florida. It's 720 here. But you know, it's 420 everywhere, so we got to take a safety briefing. And when we come back, we got some more stories to talk about. Brazil in the news and some Cinco de Mayo strains for you when we return. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And if standing for the Constitution make you a wacko bird, then I am a very, very proud wacko bird. Okay, maybe you're high too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. 
All right, welcome back, everybody. 23 and a half after the hour. And get some news here from Leafly that notes that Brazil has approved RSHO as an imported medication to treat cancer. And there's some controversy to this, by the way. The, uh, the company's called Medical Marijuana Inc., and they make a hemp-derived cannabidiol oil product. By hemp-derived, what we're talking about is they get this from industrial hemp plants that are less than 0.3% THC, and they get the CBD from those plants, and they make what they call RSHO, Real Scientific Hemp Oil. And the uh, Brazilian federal government's healthcare system will be subsidizing the cost. Now, I've had patients that have expressed to me that this RHSO uh, was or RSHO was not the uh, not the stuff they had been led to believe, and that it uh, caused them some distress and discomfort. Uh, Stu Titus, the CEO of Medical Marijuana Inc., has been a guest on the show, and uh, I have questioned him about that. So it's uh, it's tough for me to know how I feel about this. I, I do feel that anytime we're making progress in marijuana reform, that it's a good thing. And anytime internationally this ball is moving forward, it's a good thing. But I worry. I worry that we want to put our best foot forward when we're doing this legalization and we're doing medical marijuana. And if a product like RSHO ends up getting bad reviews and negative word of mouth for cannabis in general, well, it could be a problem. We'll have to see. Uh, this is a sponsored article that's in Leafly, so they did buy this uh, information. And again, the, the Project CBD people, probably better authorities than myself to get into the cannabis chemistry that's involved in all of this. But that's the latest news from Brazil. Also, speaking of Latin America, today is Cinco de Mayo, which is really, it's not a Mex much of a Mexican holiday anyway. It's the, the Mexicans beat, who was it that they beat? Somebody, it, it signifies some battle that was won. And it's really not anything that's much celebrated in Mexico. But here in America, it's kind of become the official Latino holiday. So I'm out here in South Florida and out there on the boardwalk, all the, you know, the Cinco de Mayo specials are going on. Uh, in Leafly, uh, Bailey Ron writes a piece of about six cannabis strains with Mexican heritage that you need for Cinco de Mayo. So that would include... Acapulco Gold. And I just want to know, can you folks find Acapulco Gold? <laughs> I, I've been wanting to try it, and I have yet to find it. And I have the benefit of traveling all over the country and going to all sorts of places, and I have yet to find some Acapulco Gold. Uh, there's also a Mexican Sativa, Cantaloupe Haze, and these are all Sativas, those first three. And then they recommend Trainwreck, which they say is a hybrid mutt descended from Mexican and Thai sativas uh, crossbred with Afghani indicas. It has a limonene, a lot of limonene in it, train wreck. Also haze. Um, and they note that you may not have tried the original haze, uh, which was developed as a result of crossing Mexican, Thai, Colombian, and South Indian 
varieties. And of course, there's lots of different uh, uh, varieties of haze now, but it's a, it's a very popular strain up here in the Pacific Northwest. When I'm there, I should say. I'm not up there right now. There's uh, Nirvana Seeds has produced a uh, uh, NYPD, which is descended from Mexican landrace strain known as El Dorado, crossed with Aurora Indica. It's got a diesel flavor and a little bit of lemon to it as well. So there are your uh, strains, NYPD, Hayes, Trainwreck, Cantaloupe Hayes, Mexican Sativa, and Acapulco Gold. Also, uh, earlier today, we talked a little bit about the uh, Adult Use of Marijuana Act, and I, I've, made a, uh, I've made a proclamation on my Facebook page that uh, if you're going to post anti-Adult Use of Marijuana Act in my comments or on my page, I am blocking you. I've had it. I'm done. I am done with even countenancing an argument. It's, it, I'm at the point now like where scientists are with creationists. Like even arguing with these people gives them more legitimacy than they deserve. It's, it, you know, all of this doom and gloom. Oh my God, this decision and that decision combined with this that goes with the Medical Marijuana Act could mean that this would happen. And, Look, folks, you can, you can set your fevered imagination to all sorts of possible worst-case scenarios that could happen. And none of them, they all pale in, in comparison to the best-case scenario that's going to happen, and that is the fifth largest economy on the planet will legalize marijuana. It's not 2006 anymore. It's not 2010 anymore. These silly arguments from stoners against legalization have been, every one of them has been disproved by the legalization that's happened in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. None of those stoner against legalization doomsayers had ever got a prediction right. <laughs> they said the price of weed, would be $600 ounces. Ounces are down to below 150 now. They said there'd be a massive increase in DUIDs. No, they've pretty much held steady. There'd be uh, tricks of the cops using their money now to go after, go after growers more because now they, they know they could get... No, they haven't. In Washington State, 63% of all charges that were filed, there was a 63% drop in all charges filed. That means in Washington State, where they don't have home grow, remember, two out of three people, just about two out of three people who would have been busted had the law not changed did not get busted. And that number increases to 80% when we look at Colorado because they do have home grow. The number one thing about marijuana legalization, and this would hold true whether it's one plant or six plants in one ounce or if it was one plant in one gram, it wouldn't matter. The number one thing marijuana legalization does is end the contraband nature of cannabis. Period. Cannabis is no longer Anything for a cop to care about. Even decrim doesn't do that. Even medical doesn't do that. Under both, marijuana is still illegal. It's still a piece of contraband. And the mere sight of it, or smell of it, or the allegation of the smell of it, is enough to trigger all of the roles that cops play in trying to bust people. It's enough to start the probable cause, start the reasonable suspicion. It's enough to start the search and the seizure and the frisking and the asset forfeiture. The mere excuse that a cop has that he can say, I smell marijuana. 
whether he actually smells it or not. Or he brings his little canine dog to alert, whether the dog's actually alerting or the handler is cueing it. All of that disappears when you legalize even a gram of marijuana. First of all, the drug dogs have to be retired. You can't untrain a drug dog from sniffing pot. So if you have a drug dog that sniffs pot, coke, meth, heroin, LSD, ecstasy, whatever, all the drugs, right? If you've got that drug dog and pot becomes legal, that dog has to be retired. You can't just unplug the pot smelling part. That's not the way dogs work. That, that you can't untrain them from alerting to cannabis. It, it doesn't work that way. And even if you thought you could, it still wouldn't help because anybody who's dealing ecstasy or LSD or heroin or Coke or meth, all they'd have to do is keep a single bud of cannabis with their stash. And then their defense lawyer could say, well, your honor, you'll have to throw out this evidence because this was an illegal search. Because that dog could have been alerting on cannabis, and cannabis is legal. Because there's no way to ask the dog, hey, dog, when you were scratching at that briefcase, were you scratching because it was pot or because it was uh, heroin? Woof, woof. That's all you're going to get back, right? The dog can't distinguish what he, why he sniffed something. So when pot's legal, pot becomes a way for drug dealers to be able to get out of the evidence collection just by storing a little bud with their stash. So you have to retire the damn drug dogs. They're no good anymore. In every state, look it up. Go Google retired canines, marijuana. Go. There's a story from Colorado when they first legalized how they had, oh, poor Fido. He's been a, been a long time servant, you know, 10 years on the force. And now he's retired. Stories from Washington State, stories from Oregon, stories from Alaska, same story. They have to retire the drug dog. Just retiring the drug dog from being able to sniff marijuana right there is going to end a great number of your marijuana charges because that is the method by which people that are busted on the side of the road are often busted is by the alert of a drug dog whether the dog really found anything or was alerting to a previous smell, but something's it was there, but it's not there anymore, but whatever that alert from the drug dog unlocks the fourth amendment. It unlocks the fourth amendment for those cops to start rifling through your stuff to start making your life a living hell. So that's it. I'm not taking it anymore. I'm not going to countenance any opposition to the adult use of marijuana act. Cause as far as I'm concerned, if you're against the adult use of marijuana act, you're no better than Kevin Sabet. You're no better than the cops and the drug czar and the drug testers and the rehabbers and big pharma and prison guards and the alcohol industry and all these other people that are our real enemies. You're no better than them. You're giving aid and comfort to those enemies. You're helping them maintain my criminality and your criminality. And I refuse to be a criminal any longer just so some weed dealer can deal bags out of his basement and buy a new Xbox. We're going to take a two-minute break. We'll be right back. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
Maui Waui. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. We love it. I'm Radical Russ Belville, inviting you to join me every weekday on CannabisRadio.com for the Russ Belville Show. It's the NPR of P.O.T. We bring you the latest marijuana headlines, cannabis analysis, drug war data, activist interviews, radical rants, and your live calls. Join me every weekday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, live only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I also believe we need a fence. The problem is if El Chapo builds a tunnel under the fence, we have to be able to deal with that, too. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. Almost 38 after the hour. We're live here in Hollywood, Florida. Taking a look at some of the other news here in the world of marijuana. A lot of stories out here about the uh, the cheap weed. Great story out of Vice.com, which has uh, regulators scrambling to deal with something they're calling the Uber for pot. Now, the prosecutor there is slamming the police for busting weed delivery services. What's happening here is that uh, the city police and the county prosecutor in Seattle uh, thought they had an understanding. The prosecutor assumed the cops wouldn't be busting pot delivery services for felony weed sales. The cops assumed that they could. So they did. Uh, Last month, they posed as buyers and arrested the runners who brought them their weed for sale. Uh, deliveries are still outlawed despite legalization in Washington state in 2012. According to the story, the suspects all walked free after the prosecutor rebuked the police 
for going after him. It was a bust by sting at a motel room in Seattle that the prosecutor, King County prosecuting attorney Dan Satterberg said, quote, was unwarranted, disproportionate to the harm caused, and would have little or no impact on the delivery business in Seattle. Consequently, I declined to prosecute. So this is a beautiful thing here where even the prosecutor there in Seattle is saying, look, nothing. if you try to bust these delivery services, it's not going to make them go away. And what they're doing isn't that bad. People are allowed to go to pot shops in Seattle. The only difference here is the pot shops coming to you. And in the case of some folks that might have disabilities or transportation issues, this should be something we'd encourage, wouldn't you think? But the police chief wasn't happy about that. He said, quote, we need to send a message that black market sales will not be tolerated. Look, if you don't want to tolerate black market sales, make them legal. If anything, we should have learned from prohibition of alcohol and prohibition of marijuana is that people want to buy marijuana. People like this product. And there will be delivery services. So what are you going to do about it? Obviously, the prosecutor doesn't want you to try to bust them. They're not going to go away from a stern talking to. They're going to continue to exist. Even if you did try to bust them, they would still continue to exist. So should they continue to be untaxed, unlicensed, unregulated, making absolutely no contribution to Seattle's economy besides the jobs that are provided for these delivery drivers? Because it's going to keep happening. It's, it's time for these law enforcers and lawmakers to just get it through their thick skull that marijuana is not going anywhere. And everything that you hate about marijuana is made worse by prohibiting it or over-regulating it. They, they want to return to some time where marijuana smokers are best not seen or heard. They knew we were out there, but as long as we stayed hunkered down in our basements, looking at black light posters and listening to Led Zeppelin, they didn't have a problem with us. But now that we actually want to be contributing members of society and pay taxes and follow regulations and shop in secure locations, now that's problematic. According to uh, the city earlier this year, they said these services provide an outlet for marijuana grown by criminal organizations while undermining the legal industry. They're not paying the taxes. They have no oversight for sales to minors or pesticides and so forth. This isn't limited to just Washington state. This is also Colorado, Oregon, and Alaska. And for that matter, Washington, DC, none of these states provide pot deliveries, but each of these states, if you go to Craigslist, you go online, you can quite easily find someone who's going to deliver pot to you. When I was in Washington State last time in Seattle, I called one of these services. I actually had someone drive some pot to me. So here's the thing. City Attorney Pete Holmes, who's been a frequent guest of the show, and uh, Seattle Mayor Ed Murray tried to fix this. They pushed for a bill in the state legislature that would create a pilot program for legal marijuana home delivery just in Seattle. So that didn't go anywhere, unfortunately. It got stamped out in the uh, legislature. And uh, it's just, it just is, it's sad that we, we're still at this level 
we're still having to handhold some of these people through what should be quite obvious. We are coming to a time in our economy where everything is going to be delivery based. Everything's going to have the opportunity for delivery between Amazon and Grubhub and all these different places. And it's time for us to recognize that whatever's happening in the marijuana movement, if we got delivery services popping up, then it's time to make those legal because it's obvious that people want them. It's obvious that there's a need for these things. And I'd like to see it regulated and tested and inspected. I'd, I'd like to know that these drivers are decent drivers and I'd like to know that the marijuana coming from them isn't contaminated with any sort of pesticides from the grow. All right, let's get to uh, some other topics here. And, and by the way, our phone lines are open. If you've got a topic or a question you'd like me to go over, our phone number here is 971-533-7111. And uh, I have this story here on hemp. We've got uh, the latest data. This is coming from the Weed blog, where the Hemp Industries Association has estimated the retail sales for hemp products in America to be over half a billion dollars, $573 million. Now, of that, $283 million is from hemp food supplements and body care products. The rest comes from hemp, hemp milk, shelled seed, soaps and lotions, etc. So they, the total value they, uh, they believe is $573 million. Hemp food is 16% of that. Personal care products, 26%. Textiles, 17%, supplements at 8%, CBD products at 11%, and industrial applications like car parts, 20% of the market. Paper and construction materials remain the, uh, the remaining 2%. This is only going to grow. We've got 28 states that have passed legislation that allow for hemp farming uh, per the 2014 Farm Bill. Uh, the 2014 Farm Bill is what, uh, when the federal government finally allowed the states to move forward with their hemp laws. Uh, up until then, there had been a number of states that had passed hemp legislation, but they were all uh, contingent on getting a permit from the Drug Enforcement Administration, which would never give out the permits. The 2014 Farm Bill removed that requirement and allowed the, uh, allowed the states to move forward on their laws, and now we've got 28 states According to Eric Steenstra, the executive director of the Hemp Industries Association, 28 states that have these industrial hemp laws. Now, that doesn't mean all 28 are cultivating at this point. According to Hemp Industries Association, almost 4,000 acres of hemp crops were planted in seven states in 2015, despite there being 28 states. Only one out of four hemp states has even planted any hemp at this point. The uh, states that allow for hemp include California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, New York, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, Washington, West Virginia, and Virginia. And if you'd like more information on the Hemp Industries Association, you can find them at thehia.org. 
the Hemp Industry Association. Now, let's get just some perspective on this for a second. <coughs> Told you about 4,000 acres. There's actually 3,997 acres planted in seven states in America in 2015. Almost 4,000 acres. Canada planted 107,000 acres in 2015. <laughs> so we got a long ways to catch up 107,000 acres in Canada and 99.1% of that goes to their seed and oil market. They're not really doing uh, cannabis for uh, uh, fiber. And this is something I think, you know, we're seeing over a half billion market for uh, hemp uh, products, but folks, you are going to see such an amazing increase in hemp production and hemp economy in this country because there are some killer apps for hemp that are just starting to come online. We've talked a lot about hempcrete, the building material. I think that's going to be big, especially as more of these tiny, as, as the tiny home movement continues and the idea of getting affordable housing to the people grows more and more urgent. We're going to see more hempcrete homes. It's cheap. It's sustainable. It's easy to put together. That's going to be part of the growth for hemp. But I really think the killer app for hemp is the development of hemp batteries. This is a technology, and this just came out in 2015, where some research scientists who had been working with graphene, uh, graphene is a carbon molecule that is used for battery technology. We're talking about your long-term high-power storage batteries. And why these are important is because we need to move off of fossil fuels. And in order to do that, we need to embrace wind and solar and tidal and geothermal and all sorts of different sustainable energy technologies, solar, right? And the problem with those technologies is it's not always windy. It's not always sunny, right? Tides go in and out. And our power grid, the way, it's wor- the way our power grid works with alternating current is that it requires a constant power load on the grid. But re- the uh, renewable sources aren't constant. You know, like you get a coal-fired plant, you can always burn a certain amount of coal and produce a steady amount of energy. But like I said, the sun isn't always out. The wind isn't always blowing. So with these renewable sources, what you have to have are massive battery storage facilities to save up power when it's nice and sunny or windy. And then when it's dark and not breezy, you can draw from the power in the batteries to keep that continuous source of power flowing. And the problem with that is graphene is expensive. (laughs) So making the batteries has made it not cost effective. You know, the, the money you'd save from using the sun for power or the wind for power is lost in the cost of the batteries. They have found that hemp fibers processed a certain way can replace the graphene in these batteries at one one thousandth of the cost. So think about the United States finally getting around to really investing in alternative renewable energy sources and the backbone of that depending on hemp batteries. And I can only imagine how much the hemp industry is going to explode after that. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll shut things down here on CannabisRadio.com and the Rust Bell Bell Show.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Radical Russ here on my last day in Hollywood, Florida. And uh, programming note, we will not have a live show tomorrow on Friday because I will be flying, making my way to Fort Worth, Texas for the weekend. I'll be joining the folks at DFW Normal for the Global Cannabis March this Saturday, May 7th. Make sure you check online, globalcannabismarch.org, I think is the website. Could be curesnotwars.org, I'm not sure, but... There's over 300 cities worldwide that are participating in the march this uh, weekend, and uh, there's a huge march in Toronto, uh, Portland, Oregon's uh, participating, just all over the, the country and all over the world. Uh, so look it up, Global Cannabis March, or maybe it's under Global Marijuana March, but look that up and get involved, because this Saturday marks my 11th anniversary in marijuana reform. I got involved by going to the Global Cannabis March, uh, May 7th, 2005, in Portland, Oregon. So you'll never know who you might meet, and it could change your life. Check it out. And I'll be looking forward to meeting folks out there in Fort Worth, Texas. So uh, looking 
Can't wait to see you there. Then uh, next week, I'll be in Orlando. So, yeah, I'm flying to Texas and then flying back to Florida. So I'll be in Orlando for the Florida Medical Marijuana Business Conference. That happens over, I believe, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then from there, we are headed to... I don't remember where we're at. Oh, yes. Anchorage, Alaska. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, of next week in Orlando. Thursday, we'll have the day off because I'll be flying again all day to get from Orlando to Anchorage. And then uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the Northwest Cannabis Classic in Anchorage, Alaska. We'll have a live show on Friday. See if we can get some Alaska guests on the air for you. Then the following week, I'm flying back to Portland, Oregon. It'll be three days in Portland, followed by... A flight to Washington, D.C., where I'll be uh, working at the normal national offices leading up to the normal Congressional Lobby Day and Conference that's taking place on May 23rd and 24th, the following Monday and Tuesday. Then we'll be back in Portland for the Memorial Day weekend until we head off to Aspen on the 1st of June for the Aspen Legal Seminar hosted by National Normal. And, of course, the highlight of the Aspen Legal Seminar is the Saturday cookout at Owl Farm, Hunter S. Thompson's estate. And this will be my, I don't know, sixth time, maybe fifth time, not sure which. Uh, but <laughs> I've been very, very fortunate to be able to go visit Hunter's place. And uh, I always take my bass with me, and I get up there and uh, do the jam session with him. So I will bring you uh, live coverage of that if I can. <laughs> that would be really, really cool. Uh, Jackie Newberry in our chat room is uh, asking if we mentioned that the feds have dropped the case against Harborside. Yeah, we, I think we covered that in the news Tuesday. But uh, for those of you who missed the news, uh, the four-year prosecution uh, undertaken by the attorney, U.S. Attorney Melinda Hogg, or Hag, or however her name is pronounced, uh, is over. The uh, feds have given up. They've settled. Uh, they don't want to prosecute anymore just so long as Harborside doesn't sue them back. So we are winning, folks. Battle by battle, year by year, initiative by initiative. Soon enough, prohibition will just be a thing of the past. Can't wait to hang out and talk with the young folks in my 70s and 80s. Let me tell you, back in the day when weed was illegal, you kids don't know nothing. <laughs> oh, folks, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all of your support. Remember, the RadicalRust.com redesign is coming soon. I hope to have it up by June. And we'll reinstate the uh, Russ Belville Show VIPs. I'm going to have all sorts of special stuff for you, so stay tuned for that. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down.